Now please turn once again your Bibles, Book of Romans. It's all right. Book of Romans, chapter 1. Thanks for your help, brother. Appreciate it. Romans 1. Well, I'm not going to read the whole thing again. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. Verse 15. In this way, my eagerness to preach the gospel also to you, those in Rome. And then he says, why? Why was he zealous? Why did he have a passion to proclaim the gospel? Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And it's at this very point that he makes a transition from his own personal testimony to his exposition. Why isn't he ashamed of the gospel? Now the fact that he has confidence in the gospel is not about him. It's about the gospel. For it is God's power unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And what is it about the gospel that makes it God's power to salvation? Why does the gospel do what it does? The gospel does what it does because the gospel is what it is. For in it, God's righteousness is being revealed from faith to faith as it is written. But the righteous will live by faith. And then after he sets out the great theme of the epistle, that he's going to write, the letter that he's writing, which is the gospel of God, he explains why it is that human beings need God's righteousness, the virtue of Jesus Christ. Why do they need virtue that comes from Jesus Christ? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. And he explains why people need Christ from 118 to 320. It's about God's wrath revealed upon human sin. God's wrath on the Gentile, God's wrath on the Jew, all men by nature shut up to God's wrath so that God might have mercy in Christ upon sinners from every branch of the human race. So let's pray because our focus today is gospel power. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I, I have a passion to preach because I have confidence in the gospel. And why do I have confidence in the gospel? Because of what the gospel is. It is power. It is divine power. Divine power unto salvation to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, whether Gentile or Jew. So we're going to look today at gospel power. And as we do, let's pray and ask for God's blessing on the ministry of his word. Father, today as we speak about gospel power, Gospel power is something that doesn't reside in us. It comes from you. We have absolutely no ability whatsoever to fabricate gospel power by human hands in human strength or human wisdom or human words or anything else. Gospel power is supernatural power. And we are completely dependent upon you. Therefore, Lord, since we have no safety net, we are totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. We pray that he will come and that you will demonstrate today what we cannot fake 
and we cannot produce, and that is gospel power. And then you will demonstrate it in every heart. That sinners would be convicted and saved, that saints would be edified and encouraged, and that Jesus would be exalted and glorified because he's worthy. We ask these things in his name. Amen. And the Apostle Paul presents gospel power in relationship to three things. And I think of these things in the text like a target or concentric circles. Biggest one on the outside, then the smaller one, and then the bullseye. So the biggest circle on the outside is omnipotence. The gospel is God's power. Gospel power is omnipotence. That's the biggest circle. But it's not all of omnipotence. It's omnipotence with a very specific end in view. And that is deliverance, salvation. It is God's power. It is omnipotence unto salvation. So there's an inner ring. So you have omnipotence and deliverance. And then you have the bullseye. The gospel is not omnipotence working deliverance for everybody. But it is omnipotence working deliverance from sin and wrath for those who believe in Jesus. It is God's power unto salvation to everyone who believes, whether Jew or Gentile. So it is deliverance of those that have confidence in Jesus. Omnipotence deliverance, confidence. Omnipotence, the gospel is God's power. Deliverance, it is God's power unto salvation. And confidence, it is God's power unto salvation to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, whether Gentile or Jew. So, that's the focus of the text this morning. The gospel of God. The gospel concerning his son. That gospel is the great theme of this letter. In the introduction, he said that he separated unto God's gospel. He said that he serves in the gospel of his son. He said that he's eager to preach the gospel. And he said that he wants them to send him as a pioneer missionary to the western reaches of the Roman Empire so that he can preach that gospel all the way in Spain. And in doing that, he wanted to put it in perspective, so he expounds the gospel that he preaches. And he expounds it in the context of his own personal experience of pastoral prayer and frustrated pastoral plans and a passion that was in his heart to proclaim the gospel not the passion of an inquisitioner that he used to have before he was saved, but the passion of a debtor by which he pleads with people. Whether Gentile or Jew, he pleads with the very people that he used to hate and despise, that God would work in their hearts, that they would turn from sin, to Christ. 
So first of all, the gospel is omnipotence. And those are my three points this morning. Omnipotence, deliverance, and confidence. First of all, omnipotence. Now how can a message be omnipotence? Now what is God's power? God's power is his ability to do whatever he wills to do merely by willing it so that nothing is too hard for him and nothing can restrain him. Is anything too hard for the Lord? With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. God's infinite, unlimited power to do whatever he wills to do simply by willing it. Now how can that be connected the message or with words. Well, the connection is uncovered in a text like 1 Thessalonians 2.13, which says that the gospel, the word of the message, was accepted not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also works in you that believe. And in 1 Peter 1, 23, Peter underscores this, says you have been begotten again, you've been born again, regenerated, not by corruptible seed, but incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides. All flesh is grass, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And this is the word of good tidings that was preached to you. The first thing that uncovers the connection between omnipotence and the gospel is that the gospel is the word of God. It is God speaking. And the Bible clearly connects God's word with God's power in various ways. For example, the first time that the Bible reveals this connection between the word of God and his omnipotence, the word of God and the power of God is what? Creation. And God said, let light be. And light was. He only had to speak and it happens. The psalmist reflects on this in Psalm 33, verse 8 and 9. And he says, let all the inhabitants of the earth stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. His word is the vehicle, the instrument of his omnipotence because it expresses his will. All he has to do is will it, and he expresses his will through his word. Let light be, and light was because it expressed his will. So the word of God is connected with omnipotence. Isaiah underscores this. So shall my word be in Isaiah 55. It will accomplish that to which I send it. And in Jeremiah the prophet says in 23:29 that his word is like fire and like a hammer that breaks in pieces the rock. The writer to Hebrews in chapter 4 verses 12 and 13 says that the word of God is living and active 
effective and sharper than any two-edged sword. And he talks about how it pierces the very recesses of the human soul. God's word is the vehicle of his omnipotence. It's the means by which he accomplishes his purposes in creation and in redemption. So the gospel is the word of God. And for this reason, it is the vehicle of God's almighty, supernatural, unlimited power. But that's the outer circle, the broad thing. But it's omnipotence in action for a specific purpose or design. It's not omnipotence to create, but it's omnipotence designing, intending to redeem. It's God's power to save. It's about deliverance. The gospel is God's power unto salvation. It's not featured here as God's power to create or God's power to destroy, but the specific design of the gospel is rescue, deliverance, rescue of sinners, hell-deserving sinners from their sin and from the wrath of God upon that sin. James 1.18, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth. And again, Paul opens this up a little more in chapter 10 and in verse 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The word of God, the word of Christ, the gospel word is the source of faith and the means of regeneration. That's why we sing in hymn number 220, and I would have sung it this morning, but we just sang it a couple of weeks ago. Hymn 220, when the gospel is preached, we sing, Blessed Jesus, at your word, we are gathered all to hear you. When the gospel is faithfully preached, Christ himself is speaking by the Spirit. Now you've got to qualify a statement like that. I don't mean that preachers have direct revelation. But I mean that when the Scripture is expounded, we are hearing the voice of Jesus Christ speaking in the Bible. And Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit is speaking to us when his word is faithfully expounded. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I wish I could tell you that the word all by itself automatically produces faith in every single person who hears it. That's not true. Because there's something else that explains why the word of God comes with power and why it becomes the source of faith. As we were studying in Sunday school this morning, we, 
we studied the providence of God and what did we learn? We learned that, uh, that God uses the very same means to harden some. They harden themselves under the very means that God uses to save others. That the preaching is not always a savor of life to life. But some of the hearers of the gospel harden themselves under that very same message of mercy that God uses to soften and save others. Sad and tragic. But Paul says, why is it true? Why does the gospel come in power? Well, he explains it a little more in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 to 5. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to summarize it. He says about his speech and his preaching, they were not in persuasive words of wisdom. So he said, look, the reason that my ministry was affected is not because I was a persuasive speaker. It's not because I have eloquence. It's not because I am a great philosopher. It's not about me, and it's not about my persuasive abilities, and it's not about my great philosophical insights, he says. But my preaching was not in persuasive words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. Why? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The reason that the gospel comes in power is because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's not about philosophy, being persuasive, and it's not about eloquence. It's about the Spirit of God using the Word of God to give spiritual life to dead sinners. And again, in 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 4 and 5, he says, knowing your election, how our gospel came to you in power. And why is that true? And in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance. It's through the ministry of the Spirit of God, blessing the Word of God unto salvation, that the word of God comes with power to save and rescue sinners. If all we had were bare and empty words, we would have no power. But because we have the word of God and the spirit of God, the gospel is God's power to salvation because it is the word of God. And when that word of God is blessed by the spirit of God, Sinners get saved and delivered from the wrath to come. It's not the word without the spirit or the spirit without the word. But it's the word of God, and the spirit of God, so that the gospel is omnipotence in action to save because it is the word of God, blessed by the spirit of God, becomes effective to save sinners from every kindred, tribe, and tongue. Isn't that wonderful? That it's not up to us. If it were left to us, no, we can't save anybody. We can't deliver anybody. 
It's not, well, I have to become more persuasive and more this and more that and more that because it's not about me. It's not about the speaker. It's about the spirit of the living God that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Which brings me to the final point this morning. You have omnipotence. The gospel is omnipotence because it's the word of God. It's omnipotence in action with a view to salvation, deliverance. And it does that because the gospel is blessed by the ministry of the Holy Spirit to save sinners and to bring about deliverance from sin and wrath by giving spiritual life to dead sinners. The gospel displays God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ, but sinners are blind. And the Holy Spirit gives them eyes to see. The gospel tells the way of life, but sinners are deaf. And the Holy Spirit gives ears to hear. And the Holy Spirit gives life. Sinners are dead and blind and spiritually deaf. Spiritually dead, spiritually blind, spiritually deaf. And the gospel gives them everything they need to know and see. And the Holy Spirit gives them eyes to see and ears to hear and spiritual life. And that's why the gospel, when it comes in power by the ministry of the Spirit, is omnipotence in action to bring about deliverance from sin and wrath. Which brings me now finally to the bullseye. And that is, observe, it is God's power unto salvation to everyone that believes. That is, who has confidence in Jesus. I wish I could say that everyone who hears it believes it. And everyone who hears about Jesus believes in Jesus and has confidence in Jesus. There's only one human race. And we all belong to that one human race. And we're all descended not only from Adam and Eve, but also from Noah's family. Whether we're Gentile, whether we're Jewish, whatever branch of the human race we come from, the gospel is God's power, omnipotence, with a view to deliverance to everyone who has confidence in Jesus. To everyone who believes in Jesus, no matter what branch of the human race you come from. People from every kind of ethnicity, for all of us, the way of salvation is identical and exactly the same. It's not everyone who hears who's delivered, but everyone who believes. It is God's power to save fallen sinners who believe in Jesus Christ. That everyone who believes, Peter said when he preached in Acts 10.42, will receive remission of sins. And Paul goes on to say in Romans 10.13, For whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Because the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, 
but to us who are saved, it is the power of God. It isn't God's power to save those who reject the gospel, but those who believe the message and trust in Jesus Christ personally to rescue them and save them from their sins. It's a story of Jesus. It tells that story. The story of him who is God, who became human without ceasing to be God, took to himself a true human body and a true human soul. And in that human life that he lived here on earth, he lived a perfect life. And that perfect life is all the virtue that any sinner needs to be right with God. And he died upon the cross an atoning death. And that atoning death is all the atonement that any sinner needs to be pardoned by God. Jesus Christ is everything you need. And faith is knowing the story of Jesus. And faith is saying, yes, that story of Jesus is true. He really is God. He did become human without ceasing to be God. He lived a perfect sinless life. He died to make atonement for sin on the cross. God raised him literally bodily from the dead. His soul returned to his body. His human soul returned to his human body. His human body glorified, reunited with his human soul, came out of the grave. And he ascended up into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God. He's not dead. He's alive. And because he's alive, living at God's right hand, he's able to save to the uttermost everyone who draws near to him. And whosoever will call upon the name of Jesus Christ raised from the dead will be saved. Because if you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not everyone who hears, but everyone who believes. Everyone who has confidence in Christ, in Christ alone, in Christ personally. Because faith is not only knowing the story of Jesus, it's not only saying, yeah, that's true, but it is confidence, it is personal trust in the living Jesus of that story. Trusting in him only, trusting in him personally, calling on him directly and personally, and relying on him exclusively to rescue you from your sins and from the wrath of God. Everyone who does that, everyone who has this confidence in Jesus, who has saving faith, everyone, no matter what ethnic background you have, anyone who believes, for you, that message is God's power to deliver you from sin and from the wrath to come. The gospel is God's power to deliver everyone who believes from sin and wrath. It is omnipotence in action to save. And for this reason, he says, I am not ashamed of it. He's not ashamed of it. And so, folks, if we would share in his not being ashamed of the gospel in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, we must also share his conviction about the 
effectiveness of the gospel. That the gospel is omnipotent with a view to deliverance of everyone who has confidence in Jesus. That's what we got to believe. We have to have the same conviction. And when we have that same conviction, and to the degree that we have that same conviction, then we will develop that same confidence in the gospel. And we'll be able to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because our society, folks, desperately needs Jesus Christ. Desperately needs Jesus Christ. Desperately needs to be rescued. Desperately needs to be delivered from sin and from the wrath to come. And Jesus is the only way. People today don't necessarily want to hear this. The preaching of the cross, Paul said, even back then, 2,000 years ago, was to them to perish foolishness. They thought it was absolutely ridiculous to tell them that their only hope of life after death and being right with God was to call upon a crucified Jewish carpenter that had been publicly executed, rejected by his own uh, political leaders, handed over to the Roman authorities as a common criminal, and put to death in a public execution. And you're telling me that my only hope is the virtue of his life and the atonement of that public execution? You've got to be kidding me. Are you nuts? They thought that was absolute foolishness. The preaching of the cross is to those that are perishing absolute foolishness, but to us, the power of God, the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And even though people think this message is absolutely ludicrous poppycock, absolute nonsense. It is God's power to deliver from sin and wrath everyone that has confidence in Jesus. It's the only hope of our society. What our society needs right now is not political action or a new education system or a different ruling political party. That is not going to fix the mess. What? It's not about demonstration, legislation, education. That's not what our society needs. That's not what lost sinners in our land need. What they need is deliverance. They need deliverance from sin and from the wrath to come. You, you saw the description of America in Romans chapter 1 this morning in the scripture reading. It's like Paul was describing the United States in the last 30 years. And, and what's the only answer for a society that has rejected the creator? The only answer is the gospel. They need, our society needs, our fellow countrymen need salvation, deliverance, and the only power 
that can save them is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is omnipotence in action to save everyone who believes because, not because of the persuasiveness of messengers, human messengers, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit who attends that preaching and opens the eyes of blind sinners who used to think it was foolishness and then they see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and their eyes are opened and their ears are opened and they're no longer spiritually dead but the Holy Spirit gives eyes to see and ears to hear and brings dead sinners to spiritual life and only the Holy Spirit can do that. Only supernatural divine power blessing the ministry of the Holy Word will ever, ever, ever do our society good from the terrible ills and evil in which it is grossly entangled. That's what, that's what sinners need, folks. That's what we really need. We need the Holy Spirit to take the word of the gospel and bring it to our countrymen in this, in this land in power. That's what we need. And there's no other way that it's ever going to happen apart from omnipotence in action to save believers. That's the way. And when we believe that, we have confidence in the gospel, we're not ashamed of the gospel. Then we have the passion that's here in this text that the apostle had. Well, may God be pleased, dear people, to work greater measures of that gospel passion in our hearts and conviction that it is omnipotence in action to work deliverance everyone who has confidence in Jesus. Let us pray.